0: This episode of the Power Connect podcast is brought to you by RBN Energy's 2022 Export Con Conference held at the Marriott Marquis in Houston, Texas, September 26th and the 27th.
1: The system conducts a live auction while you're on the webpage. It takes about a second, and then you'll get not only a quote, but a binding price offer from that installer to put 16 or 20 or 24 panels on your roof, whatever you selected online. So, we're making solar purchases into an e-commerce uh, thing
0: Welcome into the PowerConnect podcast. I'm your host Fred Davis. Episode 31 of the program Rolls Along on a Wednesday. Glad to have you guys on board. Another great show on tap for you today as we welcome the program from CEO of Atovo, Mr. Andreas Thorsheim. Atovo has become the premier residential rooftop solar company in all of Europe, and they're expanding at breakneck speed. And so we're going to talk to Andreas about that and get his thoughts on if they might ever venture across the pond to the United States. They have ventured across the pond over into Brazil, but would they ever come to the United States? So we'll get that from Andreas and much, much more. So stay tuned for that here in just a sec. But before we get to that, just a few housekeeping items to take care of. One, don't forget to follow the program over at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and then of course you can always go to the website as well, thepowerconnect.net. ThePowerConnect.net. Connect with us on LinkedIn, Fred Davis, and/or The Power Connect, or go ahead and just connect with both of us. And stay tuned because we've got some great episodes coming up. We've got Miss Catherine McLean from Dylan Green, uh, who's going to join us here on Friday, and then of course we've got Miss Aria McKenna host of the Green TV program as well as founder of the Global Cooling Project. So we've got her coming up next week. Looking forward to that. And then we've got a slew of other great guests that are going to be on the show as well. Looking forward to talking to Mr. Daniel Ressler from Utility API. Great fan of the show as well. And so uh, just an overall good dude. And so we're going to get some thoughts uh, from him on uh, all things going on in the energy transition as well as from a data analytics standpoint, which, again, continues to be a hot topic. And so we'll get his thoughts on that industry and much, much more. Uh, stay tuned for that. And then, of course, we've got a great collaboration coming up with RBN Energy. We did a podcast with their CEO, Mr. David Brazil. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Looking going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we'll announce that on Friday. And so uh, a lot of great stuff happening on the Power Connect. Connect with us here on LinkedIn, give us a shout on the email fred at PowerConnect.net, fred at PowerConnect.net, and uh, let's do a show, let's get together, let's collaborate, let's talk some energy. All right, without further ado, let's get to today's program. Mr. Andreas Thorsheim, CEO of Atovo, some great stuff they're doing over there in Europe, and like I said, they are expanding at a rapid pace. But the backstory is definitely something you do want to check out. Number one, how an e commerce guy was attracted to the solar space. We'll hear from Mr. Andreas about that. Also, too, how the Russia-Ukraine crisis has affected business, and you might be surprised the impact that it's had. Maybe you won't. We'll wait and see on that. But most importantly, how their tweak on the labor side of solar installations has been a juggernaut in how they've changed the marketplace and what it could mean for the U.S. market and kind of how have they figured it out when it comes to the labor side of things? Well, we'll let you decide for yourselves. Please welcome to the program CEO, co-founder of Otovo, Mr. Andreas Thorsheim.
1: I'm Andreas and I'm founder and CEO of Otovo. Uh, we're a um, uh, residential uh, solar and battery installation marketplace. The way that this works is that consumers in Europe go on our webpages in Norway, Sweden, France, Spain, uh, Italy, Poland, Germany. Uh, we're present in, in 10 uh, countries uh, right now. Uh, they input their address on their um, local version of the Otobo page. The uh, software will then identify the building on that address. Uh, figure out the geometrical shape of that building and of course based on that know how much energy can be produced on that location how many panels you can fit on that roof and we avoid uh, the hassle of having a home visit now once you know the um, dimensions of the system you should be able to price it if only you know the cost of the components and the work that goes into that so the on the back side of the marketplace we have all the installers. So we have about 700 installer companies in uh, Europe from, from the north of Norway to the south of Spain. And these are electricians or solar installers uh, who do uh, some of their work or most of their work on the platform. And they input their cost of driving, of scaffolding, uh, of panels, of inverters, uh, et cetera. And the system conducts a live auction while you're on the webpage. page. takes about a second, and then you'll get... Not only a quote, but a binding price offer from that installer to put 16 or 20 or 24 panels on your roof, whatever you selected online. So we're making solar purchases um, into an e-commerce uh, thing and delivering it a bit like like Uber or Fedora or other, uh, other platforms do.
0: So let me get this straight. You, you've got installers essentially bidding for prices so that you're going to get the best labor price ahead of time, right? Correct. Yes. So where did that mechanism come from? What was the what was kind of the impetus behind that idea?
1: We started in residential solar here in Europe in 2016. And uh, back then, power prices in Europe were low. We didn't have the tax credit system that you've had in the U.S., so less policy support. Labor here, at least in this domain, is quite expensive. Uh, so it's hard to make solar work, and keep in mind that in Europe the solar resource is typically about 50% lower than what you find in the U.S. Right? It means we're we're growing up in a hard environment for solar. So how do you solve that in that situation? Well, you need to be super automated because you cannot waste time on anything. So so the idea for the company was looking at solar panel cost development. It was obvious that solar energy would win win on price eventually everywhere in the world including in europe but also that the hardware cost would make up less and less of the equation of the lifetime cost of energy on, the, on that um solar installation what remains is the labor and how do you how do you create efficiencies in distributed installations our idea was that ought to be done through competition and allow call it capitalism or darwinism to work Let these guys get feedback uh, when they lose. Let them get rewarded by getting the the installation when they win. And if you can iterate on that, then you can when you're doing home visits. Well, then everybody wins. And, And we're putting the installers to work doing what they should be doing. Screwdriver in hand, installing stuff on people's roofs in people's electrical cabinets, not making PDFs, not figuring prices out in Excel. And the consequence of that is that we can build systems as cheaply as 70 euro cents per watt, which is mind-blowing in the in U.S. environment, right? But, uh, but that's like we we started this later under a bit uh, more constrained conditions. And the result was that we came out pretty tough, <laughs> I guess.
0: Were you guys impacted? I know here, and well, I guess it would be a different story, right? Because I know here we had the big issue with, you know, the investigation into the, the solar panels and then, of course, the, chain, the supply chain. How has the supply chain affected Atovo?
1: First of all, we've been uh, in a situation where imports from Asia and the U.S. have not been impacted by by trade wars. So... At least that part has been working for the solar industry uh, in Europe. But the, we've been hit by COVID in the ports in Asia, in the manufacturing centers in Asia, in in manufacturing centers uh, in Europe, Israel, uh, the U.S. as well. Um, we've been impacted by COVID um, with the installers who, who, who couldn't uh, do their work. So it's, there's been a lot of starting and stopping over the last two years. And notably this year with an Enormous increase in demand from consumers as we're having in an energy crisis over here. Consumers are looking for alternatives to unpredictable and costly grid energy, and some solar is is taking up a lot of the sort of demand there. Um, but that means an incredible increase in the need for installers, and, and that's been probably holding growth back somewhat compared to what it would have done if we we had more available hands. But that's about to solve itself. Um, So I guess the short story is, Lots of st- stopping and starting, lots of friction, uh, but it's easing up now. And I think the the outlook for this autumn is really good for, uh, for residential and solar in Europe. Um, we certainly have the, the political will in place and we have consumers' minds really focused on getting this type of um, installation done. So a rosy outlook, I'd say, for the industry in Europe right now
0: six years ago when when solar panels and putting them on roofs were a whole was i mean even here in the united states was it has been was was a push tell me about that conversation cuz i know you and a handful of gentlemen started this whole thing and a little bit about what were you doing prior to and what was it about rooftop solar that made andreas thorsheim said cuz i know you're big in the technology scene over there in europe what made you decide with you and and you said it was it started run a coffee table if i'm not mistaken uh, based off what i read on the, the website really? yeah. but you guys were sitting around i mean what you know what was it you know maybe drinking some 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 norwegian brews or what 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 was the conversation like we said you know what let's let's uh, let, let's start a rooftop solar business and dominate europe
1: I think that sort of the the seed was sown when I visited Peter Carlson, uh, who was EVP of uh, supply chain in in Tesla back in the day. Uh, He's a Swede. He now uh, is founder and CEO of North Vault, the the battery uh, manufacturing uh, company. And I was excited by what I saw in that factory, and I felt I was like witness to uh, to a revolution in, in technology. And back then, I was working in online marketplaces, uh, and later on in, in making browsers and, and security apps. So I was I was a tech guy. I didn't feel like this was my field. I was I was more like a tourist when visiting Peter and and seeing the Tesla factory. Uh, but it sort of sparked an interest in the domain. Being a, a big nerd, I was reading about this in, in, in my spare time. And then I was looking at this cost curve of solar. And, and these two insights came first that solar will win. And second, that when panels get cheap enough, only labor and the last mile problem will remain. And to me, that was a calling. It's like, I didn't feel like I changed industry. It was just solar coming and knocking at my door because it felt like it was time for the e-commerce guys to, uh, to step up. After the researchers had done their part in creating super, you know, good technologies, the manufacturing guys had done their part in b- building ever bigger and more efficient manufacturing plants. And now, what remains is to address the last mile cost, the, the 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 cost in in marketing and sales, and 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 ultimately the the throughput close to people's homes. And to me, that sounds like something that's done by online platforms, and that's how, usually how other industries solve this. So. Uh, we we didn't feel like we were I, I do the same things at work as i did before right i just used to sell other types of things online and, and that happens to be uh workmanship and and uh, and panels and and batteries but it's it's the same tasks that I do every day. So, um, in a way, we didn't feel like we changed the industry. The industry came knocking at our, our door and uh, we, we got this idea, we looked around, no one else was approaching the problem the same way um, back then, um, and then it became irresistible. You, when you have an idea that you think can work, that has, has the trends um, in, its, in its back, and then it's irresistible. You have to go out and do, do the task, and that's what we've been doing in the last uh, six years. Yeah, Andreas Benson, uh, who came from REC, the the panel manufacturing company, Lars, uh, who was CFO at the biggest convenience store uh, chain in in Europe, and Simon, who was a a tech founder from another company uh, from from before. The, The four of us, we started this company back in 2016, and I can say that the reception fell kind of flat because this was a time where Europe had boomed and busted in residential solar, primarily in Germany, driven by crazy incentives in the early 2000s. We were in a, a climate where Peter Thiel was saying that you know clean tech doesn't work, you, you cannot put your money in this. Uh, I remember the, the first uh, week we were doing our first round of fundraising, uh, the MIT uh, Tech Review had on its front page, venture capital, the wrong model for clean tech. We were really down at, at, at the bottom of the cycle back then, and we were, stupid enough to try out residential solar that wasn't in favor in Europe where the resources is, is weaker and the cost is higher. And people were looking at us saying like, it's you know commendable that you're, you're trying this out, but it will never work. And we had two really hard years with the way where we were cash constrained and the product didn't really work. And we we're trying to make this Function in in Norway that doesn't really have the best solar attributes, but we thought it's, it, this is a good lab because in many other ways you, the Norway is the illustrates the future of electricity. It's completely electrified. It's all renewables. Ninety percent of new cars sold are, are electric vehicles. Lots of other great attributes, right? But for to make solar work in Norway, super hard. Um, so we had two really tough years making the system work. But then once, the, once this auctioning system started working, we saw that we were pressuring prices down a lot faster than the competition. Um, we were able to beat a hydro-based grid power price in Norway back in 2018. And to us, that was the validation we needed. And uh, we've been going on an expansion spree since. We're entering roughly uh, a country per quarter now. Uh, we're doing six countries in Europe this autumn. Um, so, so things have really changed, and of course, Now, with the uh, terrible events that Europe is experiencing, the need for clean, affordable uh, and homemade uh, and non-Russian power uh, is super relevant. So so now it's a completely different game, of course.
0: That's a fascinating story. Let me ask you this. Two-part question. One, what were those, you know, you talked about how difficult those first two years were. What kept you going those first 2 years between the four or five of you guys you know working together on this and i would imagine that it was kind of like you know probably i don't know if it was daily or weekly or you know multiple times a day pep talks between the you know and as far as keeping everybody you know keeping the boat flowing and rowing in the same direction and then two what was the most important thing you learned about yourself personally and professionally in those 2 years
1: um i'd say what kept us going was there was always customers um we we sold the system all the, you know, every day and um, before lunch, after lunch, even in the beginning when there was sort of little product behind the, the web page. Um, things were very manual. The, what was supposed to work in theory wasn't really working in practice. But um, what kept us going was that we were seeing that consumers wanted this. We tried things out. That typically, we saw progress. So we were encouraged by the fact that Mostly environmentally conscious consumers were looking to go solar. We weren't as good as we are now, but we were the least buggy and the most convenient way to do so. So we sucked less than the other guys, and, and that was, <laughs> I guess, that was sufficient to, to create demand. And and we got encouraged by like seeing that every iteration is slightly better. Um, if, if we didn't feel the progress, I think we might have given up at some point. But but we. Everything was tested on consumers. I think we had never written a line of code that wasn't in demand, that wasn't solving a real problem that we were solving by hand first. So in a way, very conscious about our use of, of, of the venture capital we got in, use of our time. Um, so so I think that encouraged us. And I think what I learned about myself was that uh, I could be a salesman. And um, I think having this this culture where we put the consumer first, where we obsessed about the customer and... We can close the deal, and uh, that uh, that was new to me. I, I felt more like a, a product guy or a, you know, a creator, uh, but turned turned out I was a salesman. and That was encouraging to change my personality, I guess, a bit to be more more uh, more outgoing and, and more extrovert, and uh, um, yeah, probably made me into a better person. I hope.
0: You you weren't just an internet guy anymore. You you could actually go out and, and sell the product yes <laughs> well you're obviously doing something right how much have you paid attention to how rooftop solar is done here in the united states
1: we look at the residential solar players in uh, in the us as older siblings they started out before us they've made some mistakes that we've been trying to avoid avoid but we're also in all of what they've done particularly on developing the financing products, uh, the leasing PPA products, uh, subscription products that have been developed in the U.S. Super sophisticated and we copy what they do with, with pride. We've been inspired by the ambition to make brands that span the whole continent like, like you have in the U.S. With, with, uh, with Sunrun and Sunova and before that, other, other brands that either disappeared or got merged into other entities. And tremendous respect for the folks uh, in those companies and what they have built. And we copy and replicate and get inspired by them all the time. Very conscious about what they've done. And I think me or someone on my team has read every earnings report and every listen to every podcast that the, that the main players in the u.s have done we like to have other people do the testing and, and do the mistakes that's easier for us right so they're the older siblings they go the, um in front and and we try to do a little bit better a little bit different uh, because we're we're growing up somewhere else but it's um uh, no, so we, we follow them closely
0: where does net metering fall in europe
1: I think the the broader picture is that European politicians have been more consistent over time, I guess, than the US and also more developing in concert, even if we're different countries. um, There's this common set of of rules that have meant that its uh, development country by country isn't as random as it it could have been. So quite early on, um, politicians and regulators have been treating this the same way they did with the telecoms markets giving consumers rights ahead of the incumbents and the utilities and the public utility commissions so they're enshrined as a right for Europeans you have the right to produce your own electricity to input it into the grid to not be taxed 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 and those things uh, of course create a basis where it safeguards against um, and nasty uh, grid tariffing regimes etc that's kind of the that's the the bottom then early on we had a lot of net metering or even generous feed-in tariff regimes now the problem with those were that they can come and go as you've experienced in, in multiple of the states in the, in the us and so there was a shift more towards investment aid so you'd get a certain percentage of the installation cost as either a tax credit that you can deduct on your personal uh, income tax uh, or as cash in hand, uh, handed out by the by the government. And still, that is the favorite approach and will be the favorite approach in most of the European countries when our European Green Deal trickles out to the countries. It got enacted last year. It's been strengthened by two policy pieces that are called Repower EU and Fit for 55. And those things combine to add about uh, 1 trillion euros in funding from government to home imp- improvement uh, energy efficiency solar measures and, and other things that support the energy transition and the low carbon economy and more resilience uh, from imports uh, of, of russian gas etc uh, and that means we're, we're looking at a, a future where most of the support comes in the shape of um, uh, of investment aid uh, so you're getting 25% back um, directly in your, into your bank account when the installation is completed. That type of measure is the most popular. Um, I would imagine and, so. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and the good thing about it is that they, they can't take it away later, right? It's in your bank account. So, even changes in policy and the politicians, in, in different elections, well, what you have, you, you have, right? And and that's, that's very encouraging for, for Europeans.
0: The Russia-Ukraine crisis has certainly changed the way the world looks at energy. I know it's certainly affected us here in the United States, but it hasn't had near the impact or effect that it's had on, uh, on on your European brothers and sisters. But what's kind of been the effect, A, on your business, and B, the conversations that are being had about energy over in Europe since this went down in February?
1: effect on business is pretty much a tripling of demand. So you can see it in... The cost of search words related to solar energy fell to a third of what they were. The traffic on our web pages tripled to what they were before. And you can see growth numbers are triple digit percentage in pretty much every country in in Europe, even the big hitters. And countries you wouldn't think were powerhouses of solar, like Poland, can do 50,000 residential installations in a month. uh, right? And that's, that's, that's a country the size of... Of California in population and it's just one of many countries uh, here that that are doing that sort of um, extreme growth right now. So um, Europeans and their politicians are turning to solar in this crisis. It typically always makes the list on what measures we should be doing. Um, But in addition to that we're also seeing bigger willingness to put windmills up Um, to do uh, rationing on industry uh, power usage, uh, to do energy efficiency measures both in industry and in homes. Um, So it's it's really a change into not in my backyard and uh, I'd rather do something else type of discussions into we're doing everything, all of the above. uh, And even that's going to probably be insufficient. Uh, So it's a bit of a sort of a mobilization mindset. I hope that lasts because uh, we're going to feel the pinch this winter uh, when gas prices are going to probably come up higher uh, demand always goes up in winter uh, o- over here um we'll feel the pinch and hopefully we don't see um populist backlash where we're we're, we're turning against each other um where we're looking for for simple solutions because I think given two or three years we really can accelerate our our, our move to wind and solar power uh, we can reduce our um, reliance on on imports from uh from from bad regimes uh, but we're gonna have to to weather the storm here for a, a couple of winters uh, so um i hope hope we can stand together and and keep the mobilization spirit that we've seen this uh this winter and, and spring
0: are you using the home, uh, and, and I know this from just talking to John, John, we talked about John Berger from Sonova, uh, you know, here in, in my backyard over in, in Houston, about, you know, trying to do what Steve Jobs did with the computer way back when and making it kind of the hub of, of, of kind of the entertainment side of things. And now he wants to make the home the hub for all things electric. Are you taking that same approach? And obviously, you, I'm guessing you guys are to some extent, obviously being a, a you know solar and storage. Um, and, and kind of how is that is, 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 again, people are people. Is that same mentality being adopted there as far as and it only makes sense to have if you're going to have solar, you got to have storage, too, and also, too, the home being the, the central hub for all things that go down electrified in your home?
1: No, I've, I've met John a couple of times and uh, I share uh, that uh, that view of what's going to happen. In, in Europe right now, we're seeing countries like Germany and Italy, um, seven out of 10 consumers who are getting solar energy are also getting a battery. In the north, we're typically also seeing big electric vehicle adoption, but but most of the countries are getting to 20, 25% electric vehicles in used sales. So, so those, that EV charger is uh, getting connected to the system and people are using it as a portable battery, as a as a buffer on the consumption. It's the charging of your car. You can decide which hours of the day you want to do that, right? Even if you, you know, come home from work, you, you, you're going to need that car to be full the next morning. Uh, but you don't need all those 18 hours, right? You can move you need six hours to charge, you can move that around. And we're seeing that as as maybe maybe the most flexible load over here, Uh, that's gonna trigger a need for software that manages these things for services uh, where people can get this financed and where they can get it optimized in a fleet where multiple homes can do more together than they can uh, individually. I think we're we're just scratching the surface of what this will be. So much energy will pre- be produced where it's getting consumed, uh, and um, that's going to increasingly start contributing back into the grid, back into the price formation of the rest of the consumers. If anything, it, doing the comparison with Steve Jobs, I think we're in the early '80s here, and, and not the late Steve Jobs. This is this is the first round. This is the the Apple II uh, phase of 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 his career. Right? We're we're just at the beginning.
0: The, the good, the bad of what you're doing versus the U.S., and then obviously, you know, kind of what's next for Atovo. And dare I ask, because it is as flooded as it is, would Atovo ever consider branching out to the United States?
1: We have tremendous uh, respect for what the uh, the major American uh, residential solar players have have done. Um, they lead the way in terms of financial innovation and the financial product. Um, Second, they've shown that it's possible to build this type of company at scale. That inspires us. It also inspires trust in the investors. It shows that you can operate this at a scale where you're doing 100,000 installations a year or more and the system still works, still gets better. So that's very inspiring. And now um, being typically 10 years younger than the the US major players, we've created this with... um, I guess, much more software and much more mind to automation. So we're much more labor efficient um, and we can get by with much lower power prices and and still make a buck for the consumer and for ourselves. Um, So I think we have a technology edge and an efficiency um, edge uh, that allows us to to survive in in a bit harsher uh, uh, economic climate uh, over here. Uh, I think that's our superpower. Will we ever go to the U.S.? Well, um, we have a joint venture in Brazil, so we've crossed the Atlantic at least. We're testing out our software uh, in a different regulatory environment, different demand environment with different uh, um, demographics than we see in Europe. That's uh, off to a good start. I guess next 12 months we'll we'll do a few thousand installations over there, three, four thousand maybe. Um, so it allows us to to test things at at a decent scale, and um, and hopefully the learnings there will uh, give us the opportunity to to consider um, different ways of expanding beyond uh, just doing more countries in Europe. We've chewed off quite a bit here with with uh, six country launches this year. We'll. Cover a population that is ninety uh, percent of Europeans will be able to to get a solar offer and get an installation from Otovo should they choose so. Um, but we're starting at zero percent market share in all these six markets, and uh, that's not the market share I like. I, I want to be at ten percent or above. So I'm going to next uh, next couple of years going to be focused on gaining market share in Europe, getting critical mass, and um, getting these consumers to choose to go solar uh, first and foremost. But in addition to that, add a battery to their system um, choose a a subscription or a lease model so that we can have a continuous relationship with these people over the next 20 years Um, and um, that we build the groundworks for Netovo of the future where we have more services, Um, both grid services, call it arbitrage or or playing in concert um, services for the uh, consumers um, and probably more hardware types than the battery uh, and the solar panels and the inverter uh, EV chargers heat pumps maybe um, the, the water heaters uh, will be part um, part of that right but uh, one thing at the time uh, we like succeeding at the things we do so we uh, cannot spread ourselves too thin um, but uh, it certainly is a um, it, it certainly is a um, situation where a lot, of, where we have a lot of opportunity. That's for sure.
0: Thank you so much for that, Mister Andreas. You can catch all of the Power Connect episodes over at PowerConnect.net. Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify and if you listen to us on Apple, give us a 5 star rating. Why? Because it helps with the algorithm and we ask that you listen to the entire podcast it just helps with everything and plus we think we do a good job and you will enjoy it. Like we said, we've got Miss Catherine McLean from Dylan Green coming up on Friday. Aria McKenna plus a big announcement with RBN Energy on Friday. You definitely do not want to miss that. And of course if you want to be part of the program, get with us fred at PowerConnect.net or check us out on LinkedIn, Fred Davis and or the power connect or why not just connect with all of us you will be glad that you did this has been the power connect podcast connecting the energy transition one conversation at a time wake up all the builders time to build a new land i know we could do it if we all lend the hand the only thing we have to